The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive City. These films risk causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't owe you any book. No more books! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's your host, Art, here to be your purveyor of the peculiar, your Sherpa to the strange and wrangler of the weird. And today, just your docent to the absolute dreg of film. Uh, We are continuing our Neil Breen retrospective here with our resident specialist in Breenism, Richard. And we are going back to the very beginning of Neil's humble roots as a filmmaker and auteur to Double Down from 2005. I honestly don't know if this episode is going to be that long because I'll just say it. This movie is fucking bad. And I have seen a lot of movies and a lot that people consider to be bad. This one was quite possibly one of the most inaccessible and befuddling films I've ever seen. In fact, I'll let Neil even quote how I felt most of the time watching this. I'm so confused and depressed. That was me. But Richard, how are you doing before we get into all that? I'm doing great. How are you, Art? (laughs) I'm happy that this is done and we can now (laughs) move on to the things that really make Neil who he is. Yeah, so maybe we should talk about why we're doing the first film third. I think, uh, well, for anybody who's brave enough to watch it, it'll be very self-evident quite quickly. Let me put it to you this way. So, Double Down, it's a story about assassinations, biochemical warfare, canned tuna, and who the fuck knows? The the plot, I don't know. I mean, there's weird esoteric shit. Of course, he's once again going back to the well. I shouldn't say going back to the well, because this is the foundation of the well, where... He laments lost love from being seven years old. The love of his life is taken away from him. He's also, of course, a brilliant hacker and strategist and hacker and a secret agent. He's skilled in everything. He's brilliant, but he also lives a very simple means. And you know what I, f- I found, Richard, that's very interesting? This, I believe, like I think you pointed it out in... Um, Fateful Findings. Fateful Findings, how he's the, the villain in the film? Yes. I think this is the very beginning. I realize now, I think Breen likes to be the bad guy in all of his movies, but he do, he masks the fact that they're the bad guy by just positioning him around people who are allegedly worse. Sure. Well, I, I he's think he's a fucking he likes... terrorist in this movie. Well, yeah, he's a, he's a well, he's a terrorist and then the guy who saves everyone from the terrorist who is himself. But even then, like, does he stop it? Because, I mean, who? I, I, look, I don't know what the hell happened. So this is where I need you, Richard. I just need you to tell me what the fuck happened in this movie. Okay, well, we'll try. Um, so uh, Double Down is the story of a double agent. Uh, his name is Aaron Brand in this one. Uh, he is a CIA agent, but then is also a mercenary for hire. And what he does, instead of, he does assassinations and plots to overthrow governments but in this film his uh task is to uh poison lake mead with anthrax and uh shut down vegas for uh two months 
because Lord hand. knows that's going to cripple the economy, right? Something like that, yeah. But at the same time, he's also assisting the CIA in catching the guy who's attempting to spread anthrax in Lake Mead, who just happens to be him. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> wait, I was like, wait, hold on. Because if you... <laughs> the way you explained it, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not batshit. It absolutely is. But at least the way you explained it, it's coherent. If you got that from what we watched, sure. I tip my hat to you because I was I was stone sober, didn't have a drink in me, I didn't have any drugs, and I had no idea what was happening from one moment to the next. All I knew is that he's taking giant handfuls of anthrax, rubbing it on people's arms, <laughs> and apparently he's trading vials of some mysterious thing as if it's currency he is the most uh apparently skilled agent around who's also very very sneaky and smarter than everybody else yet at the same time when it comes time for him to do any secret agent shit it is the most obvious and discoordinated effort you'll ever see i just you know what this reminded me of it reminded me of when i was a kid and maybe you did this before you got into the real film business here, Richard. But when I was a kid, I'd make movies with my friends with a VHS camera. Sure. This is what he was doing, except he had a 35-millimeter camera. He literally said, hey, guys, let's come out and just film me, and I'm going to make it up as I go. That's what this felt like. It felt like a backyard movie that a guy spent a bunch of money on film for. That's exactly what it is. I mean, he, he shot at this on film. It was uh, processed at Photocam. I'm sure they thought this was a riot when they were working on it oh and another shout out to burns and sawyer so apparently not only did they provide the gear for the infamous the room but they also did it for this piece of shit so <laughs> they were on a roll there and they the were 2000s. the early aughts was a very banner time for them yeah um but yeah he's he's sunk a significant amount of money into this movie and the first half of it's just basically him in the desert by himself uh along with some stock footage clips and then the only other real main character in the film is uh, the his fiance who is uh, assassinated uh, for reasons unknown. We assume it's someone trying to get back at him, but then he doesn't really become a double agent until after she's been killed because he's angry, or I don't know. It doesn't. Those scenes are just kind of, you know, in the typical Neil Breen editing style, just thrown together randomly, and uh, trying to make any coherent sense out of it is very difficult. I want to call attention to the poster that is currently on IMDb and for this film in general. And I like that there are quotes on it that he clearly had to have made up himself because I can't find these reviews anywhere where such, such taglines are the winner, dangerously controversial, four stars, stunning, desperation. And I like that the description of the film is the controversial story of a lone genius who closes down the Las Vegas Strip. The government can't stop him as he reunites with his dead girlfriend each night. <laughs> I guess that's what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I guess. But he's like, look, yeah, he meets up with, I guess, the dead girlfriend in, in, <laughs> in the desert. Then there's this fucking old man in the rock, you know, who's just kind of hanging out in a little cove. Yeah. And I don't, he like appeared in the beginning, then he appeared at the end. I don't know what happened. It's like, <sighs> yeah, it's hard to tell if it, it's hard to tell if he was a ghost too, or if he dies, becomes a ghost. And then they just redo the scene again because 
they need to stretch out the film. I don't I don't know why he's there at the end, but he shows up multiple times. Uh, it's it's a weird movie, and it's not a very good one. I I, I love Neil Breen, but this is there's a reason we didn't do this one first, and yeah. it's because. If I was to tell someone to go watch this movie, they would come back to me and tell me that I just wasted their time. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, if you've already listened by now, you can tell I haven't done my usual spiel. I'm not sitting there talking about the subversive sauce and all the things and make it up because I, I don't even think that we can talk about this in a general way of character story and what the fuck. The whole thing is a big what the fuck. So I'm just dispensing with that for this episode. So that it's we're, we're special here. But I like how you're saying stretching the movie out. Two thoughts occurred to me. One, this is also, this should be called stock footage the movie. Because this is where he got a real hard-on for stock footage. More in this film than any other one of his, I think, so far. It's yeah, like I think that's right. Tons and tons of random shots that have nothing to do with each other. It's just, I guess, somewhat serving the purpose of showing his his far reach. You know, he'll have the inside of a commercial airplane cockpit. And then he'll say tracking the target or what <laughs> doesn't this feel like some sort of strange failed noir where the entire movie's told in narration instead of actual dialogue well yeah i mean that's that's a lot of uh, neil breen stuff though he's always explaining what's going on explaining his character's uh feelings you're not seeing any of it you know when he says i'm you played the clip i'm confused and depressed i'm pretty sure he just has a stock footage shot going at the time that that runs <laughs> It's, uh, it doesn't, it's, it's just bad. It's bad. And it's, it's a shame because I really love Neil's work. And this one is clearly the first time a guy got a hold of equipment and went out and shot something and it just didn't come off. Yeah. I like that. He's running around with this little, uh, chunk of pyrite pretending that it is his magical power cube. Kind of like, uh, we saw in fateful findings, you know, where he can, I guess heal or summon his dead girlfriend with it or some some other such nonsense. I don't know. Uh, I, I his whole shtick, you know, this guy lives in a car, subsists himself off of canned tuna, and he uses a couple of Dish Network satellites attached to his trunk through sea clamps. Which again, <laughs> extending the film, I don't know if you realize this early on in the movie. He's sitting there doing his serious work, right? And this, you know, after he's changed his license plate and he's like, I am multiple people at any period of time or whatever. And then he starts banging around the dish with a wrench, just tightening or pretending to tighten random bolts then kind of tapping against metal. And then he pulls up a laptop and he's looking at the satellite dish, typing, typing, looks at the satellite dish, types some more. Then near the end of the movie, he does the exact same fucking scene again, but without a shirt. Almost right. beat for beat for each movement. It's almost as if he said, all right, we're going to do, do it one more time, but without a shirt. And both versions end up in the movie. And both <laughs> ended up in the film. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I will uh, bring up one thing I do love about Neil Breen movies is always the, the comeuppance sequence, you know, and the, the, the pulse-pounding third act. <laughs> <laughs> And the one where all the distractions are going off, his, or I guess that's what he called them, the, the distractions. And then you get to hear all of the government, the corrupt politicians or whatever fuck they are, going through and lamenting. And it struck me as if what we were watching were their audition tapes. 
because they all said the exact same line in succession. Go to code orange. Go to code orange. Go to code red. Got his line wrong. No, it got worse, Arch. Oh, I see. <laughs> go to code red. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Hold on, we have the rapid fire round coming up. Prepare to evacuate the hotels on the strip. Prepare to evacuate the hotels on the Las Vegas Strip. Prepare to evacuate the hotels on the Strip. Prepare to evacuate the hotels. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a slog. Dude. Okay, yeah, this is only 93 minutes. It's, I think, his third longest movie. And it felt like I was watching Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO. It it felt so much longer than it actually was. This is in, I, I... it's it's um you know it's a it's a failed uh, attempt, and I think Neil knows it's a failed attempt because he goes back to this uh, to a lot of these themes and a lot of these scenes in Fateful Findings, where he you know executes everything a lot better. It's true. He does use this as a proving ground, and I think there's also a very... This is clearly a solid reason as to uh, why this movie is so much more difficult to get a hold of now than it was before. But I'll get to that at the end if you really want to put your eyeballs to the razor blades. Uh, so uh, let's just talk about some random shit that we just got a hoot out of in the in the midst of this slog. Uh, I personally enjoyed his old man parkour routines over the desert <laughs> rocks. Yeah, those are great. Oh man, he like he's pretty pretty decent at scrambling. I got to be honest, and sometimes it looks like he's gonna take a take a face dive, and he just lands it. He does, so, especially especially at the uh, towards the end when he he, just, he has the the wonderful comedic beat of running downhill and screaming, oh, and then <laughs> yeah, I love that clip. And then he just keeps running until he disappears into the <laughs> fucking landscape i could <laughs> that the, i i my only regret is that that moment comes at oh i don't know let's see uh literally the very very end of the movie so oh man uh, so that was that was something fun. Any, so what did what else did you like about it? I mean, my favorite scene in the film is the scene where he uh, goes to the wedding chapel and picks up the wrong couple. Oh yes, for being such a fucking smart guy, he picks up the wrong couple and kills the wrong guy. Oh, but his performance in that scene is actually really good. It's uh, he's he's just playing this real asshole who uh, convinces the the bride that. Uh, She's woken up and that they've gotten married and that her husband's not just passed out in the trunk of the car. <laughs> oh, it's that's a funny, funny Neil scene. Ah, uh, you mean this one right here? Where am I? And who are you? We're in Las Vegas. Hey, last night we went to the club, danced a lot, drank a lot, laughed a lot, had sex out by the fountains. Then we went down to the strip and we got married. Hey, this is Las Vegas, baby. What? What? 
Who are you? We're married? What? How? I've got the package. <laughs> oh my god, he's just... I just like he's just gaslighting this poor girl so goddamn much. Oh, it's great. That's a great scene. But, uh, oh. you know, this, this, this movie's got some other stuff, too. It's got the classic Neil dinner scene with no food on the plates. Oh, that's, yes, that's, uh... and that's, that's a perfectly awkward scene because, first of all, he just randomly says, could I get more water? And he already has water in his glass. And then, <laughs> sorry, I think we need to hear him just casually talk about his job first. You know, the public perception of what we do for a living really constantly amazes me. They think all that we do is drive around and get caught up in spectacular car chases and huge buildings blowing up and wild gunfire and so on. That only happens in the movies and in TV. It really doesn't happen in real life. In real life, everything we do is done very silently, undercover, and electronically. The public never knows what we're doing. It's all done in very, very secret ways. Can I have some water, please? <laughs> can I get it? Yes. I'll get it. Excuse me. That entire that entire monologue is given to a ten year old girl, by the way. It is. <laughs> and, and, and then we get to hear this from his CIA buddy. Speaking of secrets, there is one we want to share with you. Our daughter Megan was just diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the fucking old woman, Nana, who's just hanging out, just staring. She's probably like Neil's aunt or something, just wondering, what are we doing and why am I here? <laughs> I think that's most of the actors that Neil works with. Uh, but then I think brings up an interesting point um i think this movie doesn't work because so much of it's just neil by himself what i love about neil's uh work is how other people try to interpret it and what they try <laughs> to do with it and that's to me is interesting and when it's just neil by himself out in the out in the desert that's a little dull and yeah. uh i think this movie kind of suffers from having a real lack of another cast i mean we have a few scenes here with other actors but remember there's another you know, you could go 20 minutes in this movie and it's just Neil and it's just stock footage. Sometimes it feels like you're just watching a Vincent Gallo film. <laughs> wow. Neil again summarizes uh, how I felt watching this film. I can't go on with this. I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. This movie is so fucking bad. I mean, I, I can't even get it. Look, there's lots of shit to laugh at, but really we're laughing because <laughs> we just find the little moments. It's just to get to these moments, man, you really got to slog through a lot of a lot of inane shit to get to them. Well, it's also repetitive stuff. It's like, yeah. I don't need to keep seeing the same thing over and over. No, exactly. It's always him dicking around with a can of tuna or typing on a dead laptop, talking on one of four different flip phones, and... He's seeing this, you know, dead girlfriend in the desert. It's like, I read different things. There's a synopsis or the tagline, if you will, 
on IMDb that gives a little bit more light here. A brilliant computer loner seizes Las Vegas and its terrorist attack while fighting against his fits of clinical depression and obsession for romance and death. Now that suddenly makes it sounds like, wait, this is a treatise on mental health and, and the difficulties that, you know, this prolifically powerful man has. Like he's wielding crazy power, yet he's also struggling with inner demons. It makes it sound so much deeper than it is. Sure, and I think there's like seeds of it in the film, but the execution's all wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, I will say it was nice to see the Rolls Royce that clips him in Fateful Findings here. That's right. That's um, right. As well as the Ferrari that his buddy worked on. So we see the uh, actual vehicle stable in presence here, which makes me wonder where was it during I Am Here Now? You know? I don't know. Maybe that rental uh, facility was closed for the week and he couldn't <laughs> uh, couldn't get a hold of it. Or maybe Space Jesus just prefers a beat up uh, truck. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, so double down. Double don't is what I'll say. <laughs> just stay away. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think uh, if you really enjoy Neil Breen, I think you should give this a watch because you will see the seeds of a lot of his other films in this movie. Like we said, the hacking and fateful findings, the dual personalities he does in Twisted Pair. A lot of this stuff comes back to double down. Uh, where it just didn't quite work, and then in later films, it works a lot better. So it's sort of the rotted seed that's at the very core of this flourishing plant of artistic growth. Yeah, you know. He's figuring it out. It's worth a watch once. I wouldn't recommend this movie to people, though. <laughs> I think people should definitely watch it in groups. Um, yeah, you shouldn't watch it alone. It's um, not the fun bad that the other mo Neil movies are. This is just... Kind of not fun, bad. Unfortunately, all the fun, bad stuff happens within the last 30 minutes. So you have to get through the first hour of just pretense to to get to the really juicy stuff. Yeah. Uh, such as his uh, accreditation. I've been awarded every medal. The Medal of Honor. The Medal for Meritorious Service. Defense Meritorious Service. Joint Service Achievement Award, Armed Forces Medal, Purple Heart, Heroic Meritorious Achievement. It's amazing. See, that that's the sort of writing you get to look forward to with this fucking movie. <laughs> okay, so there's that. You're the specialist here, Richard. How subversive is this? Well... Like I said, all of Neil's stuff is just the fact that he's doing it is subversive. And if you put this movie in the context of when it was made, in 2005 when Fox News was running wild with stories about Al-Qaeda attacking shopping malls and anthrax being sent everywhere, uh, instead of absorbing that and uh, you know being afraid and locking himself in his house, Neil decided, I'm going to make a movie about this. <laughs> Not a good movie, but... It launched a career that uh, is actually really, really fascinating to watch. And and uh, it's been really, really amazing to see him grow from this movie. So eh, I say there's some subversive elements to this. I don't know. It's not as subversive as, uh, as the rest of his work. But uh, hey, he went out there and did it. I guess uh, we can't fault him for that.
So um, you go, you go, Neil. And uh, let me see if I can sum up my feelings once again with uh, another one of Neil's quotes. I'm so confused and depressed at my double life. How did it get to this point? Where do I go from here? I've got so many questions. I need you. I need you. I miss you. I'm so glad you're here. I've got so many questions. I'm so confused. Yep. That's, that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> so you're going to give this a solid uh, 10? Is that what you're doing? Sure. <laughs> Tell you he's batting a thousand right now. <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's all I got. That's all I got in me. Unless you have anything important you'd like to impart about this film, I think we should just say, you know what? We did it. We were there. Check it out. But, you know, come back for our next one is what I'd say for when we're, we're talking about pass through. Much better film. Much more enjoyable film. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, well, thank you again, Richard. As always, this has been uh, an experience of some sort. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, hey. You know, this is what we do. Uh, you want to know where to find this movie? Again, Neil has been very particular about buttoning up access to a lot of his movies, particularly his older ones. Every once in a while, this one will show up on YouTube some you know, adventurous young soul will upload it before uh, Neil gets to pull it down. You could see it there. You might find a DVD of it at some of these DVD emporiums online, like DVD Lady or whatever that website is. Check it out. You might find it. Um, just keep your eyes open. I don't think Neil sells it exclusively on its own anymore. I think he does have it as part of his five-film retrospective, which I have no idea how that is. I'm not sure <laughs> what that would be like. But, you know, maybe that's something we'll put ourselves through one day in the future. We'll find out. So that's all I got. Until then, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Email me if you'd like to come on the show or even have a suggestion for a movie to watch, subversivecinemashow at gmail.com. Until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.